Good morning. It is our joy to come to you again with the Word of God. And our prayer is that may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Today, I would like to speak concerning our passion, that we don't lose our passion. You know, there are different kinds of passion. There's kinds of passion that you want to follow. And then there's, of course, those passions that you shouldn't follow. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 tells us that God knows our passion. He knows about our passion. He says that I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. And he's referencing to a church, particular church, the Laodicean church at that time. But he's saying, I, I know where your passion is at. I know the level of your passion. And I wish that you were one or the other. And I want you either cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Apparently they had become lukewarm. Paul encourages in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, that our, our passion needs to be high. Whatever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not to men. He also writes in Romans that not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit. Then he shows us the direction of our passion, and that is that we're to serve the Lord. Paul also wrote to a people, you know, who at once they ran so well. They were passionate, but then they became hindered in their race. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. You know, life is not one dimension. It's many dimensions. And so sometimes in those various dimensions, we can lose our passion. Sometimes life disappointments, difficulties, delays, and you know, even distancing can cause us to lose some of our passion. Sometimes it's just the passing of time that causes our love for God to become routine and less passionate. But you know, in the first commandment, it is a commandment about passion, a complete love. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, with all of your strength. This is what needs to be first in our lives. That passion, that's a posture of our heart and life. Absolutely. In passion and the pursuits of life, they should flow from our love and honor for God. So what really is passion? Well, passion is a strong desire, strong and barely controllable emotion. It's a zeal, an enthusiasm, a conviction, a hunger, a thirst. It's a mission addiction. It's living the mission. There was a quote that said, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Yes, passion is like the engine of a vehicle. Passion is, you know, 
it fosters determination, conviction, and love. Passion is, you know, a great uh, motivator. Without it, you can lose momentum. Passion is so powerful that it's often the difference between success and failure. You see, when you're full of passion, you fly high. And if your passion wanes, you know what I mean? You lose steam. Passion gives you lift. Yes, it does. It's, it's like that balloon that's filled with helium that has a flame under it. And when that flame is turned up, it gives lift to the balloon. Passion gives us lift. Passion is an emotion without a doubt, but it, and it isn't passive. No, passion has to have action. If you don't have action, passion is not worthwhile. It produces no results. It has an emotional factor in it, but it has a no result factor. It's that fuel, you know, in the fire of your actions. It moves you to do something. It's so powerful that it can push you through difficulties. It can inspire new dreams. It can even resurrect old ones. When you have that fire or passion on the inside, it affects everything on the outside. You see passionless people, you know, their gait is different. The way that they look at life is different. You know, but when you see people with passion, there is, you know, an expectation. There is a aliveness uh, about them. Passion is so strong and so powerful that it has mobilized armies. It also equips athletes to break records. Passion. Yes, passion when it fades. It weakens relationships. It diminishes desires. It lowers even the morale of a person. Oh, but you know, when you have passion, there's a willingness in your heart and life to sacrifice for what you love. You know, when we have passion for God, it is that we no longer live for ourselves, our self-gratification, but God is our first priority. A holy passion, you know, that's influenced by godly motive. We've already mentioned how there are good passions and wrong passions. Passions that need to be checked and unchecked. A comparison would be passion versus anger. Anger is definitely a passion, but anger, you know what I mean? is negative, it's unreliable, it's, it's wanting to inflict damage, where true passion is positive. It wants to express truth. Oh yes, hallelujah. When we have a godly passion, it informs us and influences us and inspires all of our other passions. The passion we're talking about is first and foremost that passion for, for God. There's other passions, but the first passion that God is looking at and the level of it is our passion 
for God. Passion can turn impossibilities to possibilities. Passion gives us sight and helps us to see the options that are before us. But passion, you know, has also killers. Things that can kill your passion. Let's view a few of them. An unclear purpose in life and ministry is the passion killer. Passion, you know, needs purpose. It's like traveling down a road. And if you don't have purpose, then you have no direction. There is no distinction in your life. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Think about that. You know, Habakkuk said that your purpose needs to be clear because you can't really run if you don't know what your purpose is. It would be just like, you know, passion running loose, but never a goal, never something, you know what I mean, that would be reachable. It's possible for you to, in life, feel a sense of failure in the weight of it. And that goes ahead and it interferes with our passion. Isaiah said this, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Imagine having that kind of feeling that after what you have done or felt you have done, you're weighted with this and you lose passion. You know, but you're going to be encouraged this morning that God has not forgotten your labor of love. You give a cup of cold water to the least of one and God has a memory book in which he writes it. To keep your passion high, you need to stay away from negative thoughts and attitudes. It'll kill your passion. You know, your conversation, it has a lot to do because, you know, words, there is life and both death. So choose life. Choose life with your words. Another passion killer is unemployed talent. What does that mean? I mean, God has given you some grace gifts. He's endowed you, you know, with gifts that need to be used. God has distributed to each one, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, as the Lord has called each one. That, that talent, that gift that you got, you know, needs to be, you know, channeled for the help of others, for the kingdom of God. It's possible, according to Timothy, that that gift, you know what I mean, that you have, it's, it's, it's not active, it's not inspired. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you need to stir up the gift that is in you. Put passion back in your gift. Amen? Hallelujah. Use your gift. Don't let your talent be unemployed. Find a way to plug in. Find a way to use it. Another thing that will kill your passion is unbalanced schedule. Think about it. The scripture says in Mark chapter 4 that undue worry about the cares of life can kill your passion. 
says the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things, entering choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. If you don't have balance in your schedule, you may experience burnout. You know what I mean? And then you lose your passion. It's what was called compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. If you're always giving and never taking time to recharge, you'll start to lose your passion. And of course, there are those things of choices in life. It's called unconfessed sins and unforgiveness and bitterness. Psalms 38 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day. Man, that's a tough day, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you want to confess your sins. You want to just live in a spirit of forgiveness. Don't let bitterness, you know what I mean, hang around. It destroys you and others. Praise his holy name. The good news is that John said in uh, 1 John chapter 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes there's conflict, unresolved conflict. You know, that passion, you know what I mean, will kill your emotions. That resentment, that jealousy, prolonged anger. Job said this, for wrath kills a foolish man and envy slays the simple one. Yes, it'll kill your passion. If it doesn't kill your passion, it'll, it'll produce you know, an unwanted passion. It will direct your passion you know, with the wrong spirit in the wrong way. It's possible, according to Job 17, you know what I mean, for your spirit to become broken. He said, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. Oh, how he needed, you know, to recover his passion for, for life. And, of course, we did not sit in the judgment seat. We know what he went through, you know what I mean? And the toll that had been taken on his life. But he speaks to us some words, you know what I mean? That, you know, God heals the brokenhearted. We don't have to sit around and live with a broken heart or broken spirits. Also, you know, what will kill your passion is unsupported lifestyle. Yes, loneliness kills passion. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his compassion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him out. Yes, you know, God never meant you and I to live life as a solo act. Not at all. He has placed us in families. He's placed us in bodies. And we need, and you need, we all need a support group. Hallelujah. We are not only body and soul, we are a spirit man. And an undernourished spirit will also kill your 
passion. Think about it. When your spirit is undernourished, here's what happens. You underestimate God's promises and you doubt his word. Oh, yes. Why? Because this is a spiritual issue. Passion is a spiritual issue. The first commandment is a spiritual commandment. You know, and if we don't nourish our spirits, our hearts, they begin to grow cold and also hard. The key to that is to live in union with Christ. Plug into God. Spend special time with him. You see, the Christianity, it cannot be moderately important. That's what Jesus was saying to the Laodicean church. You know what I mean? Be all in, you know what I mean, or out. Well, don't be moderate in your passion. No, it's like this. You know, it doesn't work to be half married to somebody. You have to be fully married, fully committed. So you want to do away with passion killers. And so we want to discover, you know, what kind of passion is a godly passion? How does God's passion become our passion? How do we pursue godly passion? Let me give you a few this morning, and not necessarily in order of importance, but let's first of all talk about passion for God and his house. Think about it. You know, in John chapter 2, Jesus enters into the temple and sees the animals being sold and sacrificed in exchange of money, and he begins to clear everyone out of the temple. He commands them to stop, you know, uh, using his father's house for a marketplace. It was designed for a godly purpose. And as his disciples looked on and saw this zeal and this passion that he was going ahead and demonstrated, they remembered the words of Scripture in Psalm 69 and 9. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. You see, when you have passion for God in God's house, you will clear up the corruption. You will clear it out because passion for God overtakes and empowers you. Obviously, you know, we need a passion for Christ, a passion for communion with God. Paul said there were many things that his disposal and in his life we know was, was marked with great highs and, and, and how much, many things in his life, you know what I mean, uh, uh, culturally, you know what I mean, were, 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 uh, would be recognizable. But he said, I, I count them all but lost because I just want communion with Christ. I want to gain Christ. He said in Philippians, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said that nothing compares with knowing Christ. Oh yes, regardless of what's on our resume or in our portfolio, it's how well do we know Christ that counts for the scripture says in Matthew chapter 16 26 for what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul you know absolutely God you know he's not against you know us living 
but he wants our passion aligned. He wants it right. Praise his holy name. This, this passion for Christ, this communion with, with God is so important. Think about this. It is relationships that are the currency of heaven. Think about it for a moment. John 15 and 17. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What is that? The key is your relationship. Fact is, Jesus also taught the story about that when we are praying, you know what I mean, and, that, and we remember, you know what I mean, that things are not right between our brother or sister. He said, you need to get that right before you continue on your prayers and offering your gifts. Praise his holy name. Yes, passion for our Savior needs to both drive and de defend our purpose for living. There's nothing wrong with hobbies, but don't let those hobbies turn into worldly pleasure or worldly passionate. He also, you know what I mean, tells us and lets us know that we need to be passionate for the word. We need to be Bible enthusiasts. Think about it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Job, that same man said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How many think that's passion? Oh yes, for the word of, of God. Passion for prayer. Obviously, you know, First of all, the prayers and supplication. Luke 18, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. We need the passion for prayer. Passion for the word. Passion for relationship. Passion for the house of God. We also need a passion for the Great Commission which is a passion for the lost. Think about it. A passion for the lost. One day, Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. It would have been a natural place to avoid. But Jesus knew that there was someone there that needed to hear about him. There was a lost there that needed to be saved. There was someone, you know what I mean, that was wandering, that needed to find new direction in uh, her, her life. Passion and love. Thank you, Jesus. How about trusting God passionately? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding and in all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct our path. So in all of this, we discover, you know, godly passion. How do you recover and increase your spiritual passion? You know, really, we can't light this fire or produce this in ourselves. It must come from the altar of God. It was Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 that the angel of the Lord went ahead and took a coal off the altar and 
touched the lips of Isaiah. And it changed his life. It changed his speech. It changed everything. So number one, recovering your passion and your spiritual passion. Evaluate your relationship with God. If you were to use a scale of one to ten, how would you relate, or how would you rate, excuse me, your spiritual walk with God? What needs to change so that God becomes your greatest passion? Yeah. It is a challenge to keep your spiritual temperature high when you're surrounded by cooling influences. So number one, we ask ourselves, how is your relationship with God? If you want to restore your, your passion, you need to go back and stand under the cross. You see, it was at the cross that we first fell in love with the one who loved us. It's at the cross that we regain our passion. The one thing that Christianity cannot be, and that is moderately important. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Paul recommends another way of recovering your passion. He says you need to, you know, go forward and look at the judgment seat. Oh, what? Yes, he does. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, not for our salvation. And I mean, but how's, what has our passion been like? What has our passion been for? That we may give an account and receive the things done in this body. So he says, project forward. If your account was settled today, you know, how would it fare? How would it be? Another way to get ahead and recover your passion. Obviously, look inside and examine your motives. You know what I mean? Your purpose and your passion. Another one, as we begin to wrap it up this morning, you know, when you worship, look up. Don't look around. Look up. There was a woman in the Bible who went ahead and poured somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars worth of, of ointment upon Jesus, and those that looked around and they criticized her. But the Lord commended her as a worshiper. Don't look around. Look up, and it will inspire your passion. Hallelujah. Amen. Get rid of those pet sins. Do a spring cleaning. We're almost past it, but, you know, it's not too late. Absolutely. Cultivate an active prayer life. And here's one. Read the Bible just for personal profit. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, it's all scripture. It's given by inspiration of a God and is profitable. Oh, hallelujah. It's profitable. He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident. Spend that time with Christ. Don't lose your passion. Go ahead and refire. Stir up and direct your passion. There are 
wrong passions and they are right passions. And the right passion is godly passions. God bless. Go with God because he's going with you.